So this afternoon we are looking at Hebrews chapter 12, um, which I think is in some ways sort of the climax of this whole book that I know you've been going through the last um, two months or so um, here at church. Uh, and last, last time, two weeks ago, when Tio was preaching, he was bringing to us Hebrews chapter 11, uh, which if you don't remember is, is all of these people of faith. Uh, these heroes of the, of the Jewish faith that uh, the author is pointing to. Um, and so the, our passage today starts in the first few verses kind of as the, the climax of this whole of chapter 11 that we have been reading. So just as a, as a refresher, as a reminder, uh, the book of Hebrews, we, we don't actually know all that much about it compared to other books of the New Testament. We, we don't know who wrote it. There's a lot of debate as to who wrote it. Uh, we don't know precisely who it was written to or where they were. Um, we know it's written to some kind of church. Uh, it's our best guess that it's a Greek-speaking church of, of Jews, uh, maybe in Rome, maybe somewhere else. Um, we're not quite sure. Um, but it seems like this church is tempted to return to Judaism, to actually, they're wondering about, should we leave this Christian faith? Should we leave what we have uh, gained and started to believe in through Jesus? Um, partly because of persecution, partly maybe because of other issues. They're wondering, should we just go back to our Jewish faith? And so this is what we're going to look at today in Hebrews 12. So let me just pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would uh, speak to us, God, that you would make your word known to us, and that Holy Spirit, you would be speaking to us through your words this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are three, three main things I think that the author is trying to get across to us in chapter 12. It's a long chapter, um, but three things that, that were read out for us that I want to focus on this afternoon. The first is to endure, okay? The key word for this whole passage actually is endure. It comes up many times. Um, so the first is to endure the race. This is in, in verses one to three. The second is to endure God's discipline in the next passage. And the, the last is do not turn away. Do not turn away from Jesus and from the faith that you have come to believe in. Um, so remember, this is, this is an audience that is wondering about going back to uh, its Jewish faith, is wondering maybe we can avoid persecution if we, if we simply revert to Judaism, if we simply, you know, leave this whole Christianity thing. You know, they're starting to experience some persecution. Uh, we see this, uh, we see references to this earlier in the book in chapter 2. Um, there's a message about uh, staying fast to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Here in chapter 12, in verse 4, uh, the writer writes, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Okay, so the implication here is they, they haven't yet started to shed blood because of their faith. They've not yet been, none of them have been killed for their faith yet, but there's a sense that maybe this could happen sometime soon. This is the first century. We know that there was an intense persecution under Nero. Um, and, and other Roman emperors as well. And so there is this sense that this persecution, if it has not already reached them, is certainly coming. And I was trying to think of some kind of relatable example of this kind of persecution, um, given that we live in you know, a relatively free country um, where we can 
you know, have church on a Sunday and, and not have to fear for gathering together, unlike this church. And the, the situation that came to mind, for whatever reason, was um, a film. Uh, it is a, uh, for those of you who, who've seen it, it's a 2016 film called Silence. Um, and it is about Japanese, or sorry, it is about um, missionaries, Jesuit missionaries that go to Japan in the 16th century, or 17th century. That's played by Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver. Um, and the premise of the film is that they, they bring the gospel to, to people in Japan. They start to see converts. People start to believe in Jesus. And then they start to experience persecution. The local authorities come against them and, and start to threaten them with, uh, with suffering and with persecution and eventually with martyrdom for uh, people in the film. And I think back to this film because I think the situation of the, the readers here in this letter is kind of like maybe to the early end of that film where they're starting to experience persecution. They haven't started to die yet, but they're starting to really experience some suffering. And the authorities don't like what Christianity is doing and how it is hindering their authority, how it is subverting their authority. And so there's a few scenes in the film that, that came to mind, and one of them which happens a few different times is someone is given uh, in order to recant their faith they have to step on kind of an icon of Jesus an image of of Jesus and stepping with their foot stepping on his face is a sign that they have rejected him and so they're trying to ensure the authorities are trying to ensure that the people reject Jesus and do this very symbolically with with this image and with their foot to show that they have actually rejected Christianity. Um, and so the audience here faces a similar dilemma. Do we forsake Jesus? Do we put our foot down and say, no, we're going to reject Jesus? Or do we suffer? Do we endure? And the author's message is that they need to endure. So verses one to three, uh, point number one, endure the race. Endure the race. Let me read these verses for us once again. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you not, will not grow weary and lose heart. So the author is saying here, you need to endure. You need to endure the race. In fact, he uses this word endure three times in these three verses. Uh, so first in the NIV, it says uh, perseverance in verse one. Uh, then it, in verse two, it talks about uh, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. And in verse three, it says, consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners. Endure, endure, endure. And we also see in, in verse one, this kind of um, maybe sort of a, a heavenly picture. And I think there's a couple times in this chapter, it's interesting where the author seems to uh, almost get pulled up into this kind of heavenly scene um, of, the, of this cloud of witnesses. And again, he's just finished chapter 11 talking about uh, Abraham, by faith Abraham, by faith Rahab, by faith Moses, all these heroes of the faith. 
And the author's message through chapter 11 is look at these people who lived out the Jewish faith faithfully even though they hadn't seen Jesus, even though they had not seen the realization of their hope and of their faith in the person of Jesus. Uh, with the example of, uh, of Abraham, sorry, pull back. In chapter 11, um, he says that Abraham, in verse, uh, sorry, verse, uh, oh, which one? Yeah, Abraham, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And then verse 13, it says, all these people while still, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. So this is the picture of these, these Jewish believers, these examples from the Old Testament, that they, they endured, they had faith, even though they hadn't seen the realization of their faith in the person of Jesus. This book is all about Jesus. This chapter also is all about Jesus and the need to endure just as Jesus endured. Why? Because Jesus is the one person they're thinking about rejecting. They are thinking about leaving this Christian faith, going back to their Judaism. And again, the author is saying, do not go back. Endure the race. Endure the race. Don't give up. Keep going. Your ancestors in the faith are a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. Verse 2, look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Why? In, in verse 3, because he endured the, the verse 2, he endured the cross. He endured the worst possible suffering, and so you are able to endure it too. So that's verses 1 to 3. And then in verse 4, we, we turn to this, um, you know, this idea of you haven't yet shed your blood. And then he goes into this theme of discipline, which seems like an interesting, interesting turn. But he really emphasizes this theme of discipline, and he quotes from the book of Proverbs, and so number, number two, this is our second point, is to endure God's discipline. Look with me to verse seven. He writes, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And he goes on. And I love how uh, Lydia this morning brought to us this, this reminder that we are children. We are all God's children. Um, and so because we are children, the author is saying, you, you actually will automatically, by, by fact of being children, you will endure God's discipline. This is something you have to expect. And he doesn't say necessarily whether this, uh, maybe the suffering they're experiencing is discipline. He doesn't quite make clear what, uh, what form this discipline is taking in their lives, but he does make clear that they will undergo this kind of discipline. And it will, in verse 11, produce a harvest of righteousness. But as God's children, they, they will endure discipline. And this is a truth for us too. And this is something that it's one of those parts of the Bible that we might not always highlight or want to hear because it's, it's hard. It is hard for us to hear. It is not uh, you know, something you'll hear preached uh, always because it is, it is a hard truth 
that God brings to us. And yet, if we are children, we will be disciplined. So we have to endure the race. Second, we have to endure God's discipline. And third, the message is do not turn away. And we see this later on in the chapter. We see this in verse 25 in particular. It says, if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Do not refuse him, God, Jesus. Do not refuse him. Do not turn away from him. Um, And in the the passage previous to this, which we didn't read out, verse 18 uh, and onwards, The author contrasts this kind of Old Testament image of of Horeb and this mountain of of darkness and of fire and of fear. Uh, And he says, you've not come to that kind of mountain. That's not what you've come to as Christians. That is not the, the mountain you've come to. You have come to, verse 22, Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And so again, the author's being almost kind of caught up into this heavenly scene of Mount Zion, of the city of God. It you know, brings us back to the book of Revelation and these similar images of, uh, of what is going on in heaven of this worship uh, and of, of, of God and of Jesus there on the throne. Uh, and again, Jesus being the focus here, Jesus being the one whom they need to turn to and not turn away from. It is all about Jesus. And so do not refuse him is the message here. And this reminds me again of, uh, of Jesus in Matthew chapter seven. When he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles? Uh, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He's also saying, "If if you refuse Jesus, he will refuse you. So do not, do not refuse him. Do not turn away from Jesus. Uh, rather, going back to verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. And so this is the point at which you might say to me, sure, this, this message might make sense for, you know, first century Jewish Christians under persecution, or maybe even for Japanese Christians in the 17th century under persecution, but what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us here in Edinburgh when we don't experience this same kind of persecution on a daily basis. And I think this chapter is telling us that we, we, will, we will still experience persecution or hardship. We will still experience God's discipline. And if we think about other people in our lives who perhaps, you know, once have known Jesus or who used to come to church, we know that some will be tempted to turn away from Jesus for whatever reason, whether it is persecution or whether it is some other reason or circumstance. And so what do we do in light of this? What do we do in light of this message that we need to endure, uh, that persecution, that the discipline might come our way? And I think the, the author gives us two clues to this in the passage. 
How do we actually do this? How do we endure? First of all, verse 2, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus in order to endure. He is our example. And throughout this book, the author has been making this point again and again. And this reminds me of uh, the verse in 2 Corinthians that says, um, Paul says, We all with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So as we look to Jesus, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we actually, in a way, as we contemplate him, as we reflect on him, we will become more like him. As we look to him, we are transformed by the Spirit on the inside, and we become more like him. And the second way is at the very end of this passage, verse 28. The author says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So secondly, let us be thankful. Let us acknowledge what Jesus has done for us. Let us be thankful for what Jesus has done, and let us worship him as a result. So we are challenged just like the Hebrews. Are we going to leave our faith or are we going to endure? Are we going to step on that face of Jesus or are we going to be willing to suffer? Are we going to be willing to serve him? So let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us be thankful for what he has done and worship him. Amen.